वसुदेवसुत कंसचाणुरमर्दनम देवकनंदम कृष्ण वंदे जगद्गु In the Bhagavad Gita, we are studying the second chapter. Broadly, in the second chapter, you have um, three three topics. The first topic is about enlightenment. Who am I? Knowing that I am the Atman. So that's the first teaching. In fact, if there's one thing you want to take away from the Bhagavad Gita, from Vedanta, it would be that: What is my real nature? The second teaching is what we are doing now about Karma Yoga. how do i transform my day to day life into spiritual practice and the last one which we are approaching not today later on and the last part of the second chapter is the result of all of this arjuna will ask krishna so suppose i attain enlightenment what will it be like how is this enlightened person different from uh, the rest of us so that will be the question but right now we are in the second topic how do i spiritualize my life karma yoga and the central teaching of the karma yoga we have seen last time that do the work which we were earlier doing the same work what we were earlier doing to satisfy our desires uh, for selfish purposes do it as a service as a worship of god without expectation of results what some results will come but that need not be the motivation for the work do not work for the results but work without detachment with with detachment as worship of god and do not give in to inaction as well do not give in give in to laziness so we had a detailed discussion last time one point i'll just an up quick observation some of you may have noted i keep saying that karma yoga is doing work whatever work we do as worship of god without attachment to results two things i am not doing it for selfish ends and i'm doing it as worship of god the discerning among you might have noticed where is this worship of god angle coming in because krishna never mentioned it so far it will come later on in other chapters but right now notice that he just says karmanyeva adhikaraste you have the right to the work not to the results do not work for the results do not give in to inaction either finished the word god has not come in so far anywhere in this chapter it will later on that's the finished doctrine of karma yoga that's why i keep saying it and in the sanskrit commentaries which i'm using for all of this it keeps saying that it's parameshwara aradhanartham for the worship of the lord uh, do this work so but it is true that worship of uh, the doing the work as worship of god is not mentioned so far in in the gita and it's important to note that suppose and there are many these days who are um if not atheistic not particularly interested in the whole god business as they call it fine so can i do karma yoga certainly you can this work has to be done why it's my duty to do it why because it is good why it will do good to a lot of people therefore it is to be done not for my personal selfish ends if i do it just with this attitude is it karma yoga without bringing god into the equation yes in fact that's literally what krishna said to arjuna he didn't bring god in here 
that's why Swami Vivekananda in his Karma Yoga, um, he of course talks about doing worship as uh, doing work as worship of God, but he also mentions duty for duty's sake. Do the work because it is to be done. I have no other uh, you know angle to this. So one can do karma yoga like that also. But it's actually much easier if you, if you have a little bit of faith. If we have a little bit of faith in God, and most of us we do. Many people declare themselves proudly. I don't like all that God, I'm an atheist. It's easy to talk. <laughs> and not so easy. So, but if we have a little bit of faith in God, the idea that I'm doing it for my beloved Lord, it makes that duty that much sweeter. That work, which is dry, harsh duty, it becomes much sweeter if I'm doing it as worship of my beloved. Now, I have made up my mind I'm going to make rapid progress today. <laughs> I remember we had a teacher, a Swami, um, who used to teach us when we were novices, and he would say that. He, he would easily get sidetracked, so he would come with a very firm and stern expression on his face, and he would say, today I'm not going to get sidetracked, I'm going to finish this portion. And we, as mischievous brahmacharis, novices, we knew how to, um, yes, we would ask, uh, or we would say something that was totally wrong, you know, it was, it's not correct, and he would get furious and start correcting us. Or we would ask for a story. What was the story about such and such thing about Vivekananda or Thak? And he would go off on this with nice story. He loved telling stories. And at the end, when the bell would ring, and he would look shocked. I didn't do anything today. <laughs> so, but no, I'm going to make progress today. So the topic of Karma Yoga continues. Verse number 48. 47 is the central verse, which we have done. 48. Yogastha Kuru Karmani Kuru Karmani Sangam Tyaktva Dhananjaya Sangam Tyaktva Dhananjaya Siddhya Siddhyo Samo Bhutva Siddhya Siddhyo Samo Bhutva Samatvam Yoga Uchyate Samatvam Yoga Uchyate Do thy work, o, o Arjuna, established in yoga. Do perform your actions, giving up attachment. And unconcerned about the success or failure. This evenness of mind is called yoga. This is the verse. Now he says, how should you do your work? Which work? Here he does not mean uh, your Vedanta. He means your day-to-day -day work. The, the work of being a warrior, of a householder, all the work that you do at home and at, in the community and in your profession, yogastha kuru karmani, do work established in yoga. What yoga is meant here? Karma yoga. What is karma yoga? The commentator says, parameshwara ekaparata tatrastitaha, being one-pointed devotion to God, established in that. See, nowhere in the picture God is there. But God is introduced by the commentator. And they're not wrong. It will be introduced in other chapters later on. My devotion to my Lord, my Krishna or Ramakrishna or Christ in whatever form, my devotion to my God, this is God's work now. The work in the temple and church obviously is God's work. But the work in the office is God's work. Work in the house is God's work. Internally. 
and being established in that one-pointedness. Sangam Tyaktva, giving up attachments. Uh, this particular commentator, Sridhar Swami says, here it means giving up all other support. I am doing work not with the help of other people or money or health or my, my education. All of those are there, but my real support is God. I am doing work for God and with God's help. I remember a beautiful story about a senior Swami who was who worked very hard all his life and he was ill towards the end of his life, very ill and he was um, staying, we have a place where old monks stay in our main monastery and he would say, I never met him, I heard from others, he would say with such great peace in his face, you know, he would say, there is a joy in being taken up and used and broken and set aside. The, but God has taken me up and used me as an instrument through me, he has worked for the welfare of God, for the welfare of all. And now the instrument is broken and has been set aside. There is great peace in that also. I was reading Swami Turiyanandaji, he is saying to a monk, no, to a young devotee, work hard, whatever task the Lord sets before you, do it with all your heart. He says, prandi, with all your heart. When you finish one work, you will see the Lord will give you another. And when you finish that, the Lord will give you another. And he will give you a few such works, after which he will, you, you are retired permanently, <laughs> he said, for, forever, in an eternal vacation. In the Bible, Jesus Christ says very beautifully, For my yoke is light. Come unto me, ye that are heavy laden. You are suffering in the world, unhappy, burdened, Give all that up at the feet of the Lord. I will also make you work. God also makes you work. But he says, my yoke is light. It is a joy to work for God. You will not suffer. You will not get caught in this. But the Lord will make you work for some time. Why? For our own spiritual progress. Karma yoga he will make us do. I remember in, in California and in Hollywood. You have to remember, the context is important. It's Hollywood. So in our Vedanta society, Saturday, um, once in a fortnight or so, it's set, set aside for karma yoga. So there's an announcement in the website. And this lady comes along in her yoga pants and yoga mat. That, what's, what's this new karma yoga? Uh, that's, it's the latest brand of uh, variety of yoga. And then she was told, no, here, just, the Swami just makes you work hard, that's all. <laughs> You're going to be cleaning, pruning, working in the garden, things like that. But um, bless her heart, she worked very hard and she did that kind of karma yoga. <laughs> so the Lord makes you do this. And he says, Siddhya Siddhyayor, success or failure. Not only worldly success or failure, the commentators point out the ultimate success or failure, that whether I become enlightened or not. He says, Tatphalasya Jnanasya Api. The result of all these spiritual practices is enlightenment. Don't even keep your mind on that. I do this out of love for my Lord. Not because, when are you giving me enlightenment again? <laughs> I've been at it for 20 years, 30 years. I didn't sign up for this. No, even let that go also. Swami Vivekananda says, fix your end, the, the goal in mind, then take up the means and give all your heart to the means. When the means are perfected, the end will come of itself.
सो वेन यू आर नॉट सो मच कंसर्न विद द सक्सेस एंड फेलियर वट विल हैपन इज हर्ष विषादय समभूतवा हर्ष मीन्स इलेशन एंथुजियास्टिक इलेशन डिलइट ओह दिस वर्कड आउट सो वेल इन अमेरिका विल से वाओ ग्रेट एंड द ऑपोजिट द मोर वाओ यू डू द अदर अदर थिंग इज ऑल्सो देर द मोमेंट इट फेल्स इज लाइट प्रॉब्लम डिप्रेस्ड डिप्रेशन free of elation and depression whether it's successful or it's a failure in worldly terms it's always a success because you are worshiping god is internal motivation you're always successful externally there might be success sometimes and there might not might will be success sometimes and will be failure sometimes worldly people are caught in that and they go through these waves of ups and downs don't be caught in that don't be don't go through these waves of ups and downs elation and depression even mindedness be even minded even minded only when you take your eyes of the results i have mentioned this earlier this person who did wonderful who is doing wonderful work for orphan children in india uh, more than a thousand kids is taking care of all free um so somebody asked him i was there somebody asked him uh you are so successful so what motivates you and he he said something wonderful he's an original thinker too and people are amazed by the work he does but i noticed uh, that what he says it's all original thinking he has read all philosophy vivekananda everything but when he speaks it's just uh, coming from within for example his answer to the question about motivation how do you keep your motivation up he said i have an external motivation and an internal intrinsic motivation the external motivation is I was taking care of three kids first, and then it was fifty, then it was five hundred. Now it's a thousand. Good, it's progressing, and it's motivating. So I have milestones, and these are being covered. But I also know it could have failed. There are so many non-profits. I'm not doing too well either. It could have failed. There's no guarantee that it it would have succeeded the way it did. But my internal motivation is this is the right thing to do. My heart tells me it's the right thing to do. I'll keep on doing it even if I don't succeed. If externally success that's one thing, intern which good, very good, God's blessing is there, but internally it's the right thing to do. Therefore I'm doing it. External success and failure does not make such a difference. There's peace of mind because I know I'm doing the right thing to do. That is you are covered against the ups and downs. You're proof against elation and uh, depression. in contrast to this is the work that we generally do verse number 49 our daily activities uh, how do they go and what are they like 49 durena yavaram karma durena yavaram karma buddhi yoga dhananjaya buddhi yoga dhananjaya बुद्धौ बुद्धौ फार इंफीरियर इज द वर्क प्रॉम्प्टेड बाय डिजायर कंपेर्ड टू द कर्म योग ओ अर्जुन सो टेक रेफ्यूज इन विजडम बुद्धौ शरण इच्छ अन्विच्छ 
those who work for satisfaction of their worldly desires they are kripana word is interesting the word kripana is used literally it means the misers or the petty or the small or inferior miserable this is a word used in the upanishads to talk about those who do not attain enlightenment come to the human birth and depart without attaining god without attaining brahmagyana attaining enlightenment moksha this is what human life is for not having done that i go away from this world kripanaha the the petty the small the miserable the unfortunate um no, number of times in the brihadaranya upanishad for example it is said यो वाइतक्षरम गार्ग्य विदिवस्मादात प्रयति स कृपण याज्ञवल्क्य द ग्रेट ऋषि इन द बृहदारण्यक सेज टू गार्गी बाय द वे वुमन शी वॉज अ ग्रेट फिलासफर इनफैक्ट इन द बृहदारण्यक उपनिषद यू फाइंड दीज डिबेट्स बिट्वीन याज्ञवल्क्य हुज काइंड ऑफ द हीरो ऑफ द बृहदारण्यक उपनिषद and his main opponent there are a series of other philosophers who come and challenge him and the the discourses form most of the um or a big part of the upanishad and his main opponent is gargi who is the most prominent among in the whole um, uh, range of philosophers there so he says to gargi o gargi those who depart from this world without having realized the imperishable aksharam aviditva without realizing the imperishable those who depart from this world kripana ha sakripana that one is an unfortunate one uh, the petty one the, the miserable one the kena upanishad uh, says um that mahati vinashti it says that great is the destruction great is the loss of the one who departs from this world without enlightenment i forget the exact one um, line bhuteshu viteshu vichitya dhira pretya smad lokad amrita bhavanti um i'll come back anyway so kripanaha in the mandukya those who attend the mandukya class you will realize you will remember in the first verse of the third chapter it says upasana shrito dharma jate brahmani vartate pragutpatte rajam sarvam tena sau kripana smritaha so those who remain in dualism throughout their lives and they think that Yes we were all one reality before creation but now I am a miserable little human being and god is something separate from me uh, this separation so that one is called a kripana a miserable one a petty one because the one has fractured oneself separated oneself from the from the infinite so the idea is we must not be like this now in this verse the one who acts for fulfilling worldly desires is called kripana you might say uh oh that's not good news <laughs> true but all of us we have to transcend this the very fact that we are here we are looking for spiritual wisdom we are trying to work in spiritual life get uh, to to evolve spiritually that means we are trying to 
overcome what is called karpanyam, the, the state of being a kripana. So I am now trying to become spiritual. So overcome my kripana status, change it to uh, the enlightened one. What is a kripana? The, the one who works for the fulfillment of petty personal desires. Durena hyavaram karma. Far inferior is the lower work. Lower work means work done for fulfillment of desires. Compared to buddhi yoga dhananjaya. Compared to karma yoga. The thing is the word used here is buddhi yoga. A peculiar term which comes in the Gita. If you literally trans translate it, it becomes wisdom yoga. Now the commentator gives two meanings for this. What is this wisdom yoga? This wisdom yoga is karma yoga. What we are discussing now. One meaning. Or he says, this karma yoga is a means to wisdom, to enlightenment. Therefore it's called wisdom yoga. What are the two interpretations? One is, buddhi yoga means karma yoga. Buddhi yoga is equal to karma yoga. To do the work as worship of God selflessly. Or it might mean, I'm practicing this with another aim in view, that is enlightenment. Do you remember the structure of spiritual practice? It's good to keep it in mind. Problem, solution, method, three columns. Problem, um, the problems are ignorant mind, scattered mind, impure mind. Solution for ignorant mind, knowledge, enlightenment. Solution for impure mind, purity. Or the solution for scattered mind, concentration. Solution for impure mind, purity. What are the methods for gaining enlightenment? Jnana Yoga is the method. Shravana, Manana, Niridhyasana. To hear this constantly, to, to meditate upon this, to reason this out. What is the method to concentration? Meditation. Devotion and meditation. And what is the method of attaining purity of mind? Karma, karma Yoga. So now you see, he says Karma Yoga is a means to enlightenment. What is the process there? By purifying my mind through karma yoga, with that pure mind, when I meditate, I get a concentrated mind. With that pure and concentrated mind, this Vedanta gives me enlightenment directly. Yeah. Keep that structure in mind, but hold it loosely. It's only a structure. It's a paradigm. Is it the only possible paradigm? As I said, no. There are, other, there are many ways. Infinite are the paths to God. Um, no, this is the structure in uh, Advaita Vedanta, but I guess they didn't talk about it as a matrix. I just sort of put it this way. Yeah. The, um, uh, you have a question? Yes. So, Right. Is it, is it not part of a good question. The question is, I'm repeating the question. I've been told infinite number of times to repeat the question. There are, there's an audience around the world who can't hear the question, so they get very irritated. Uh, the question is, you just mentioned the Mandukya and said that uh, those who are in duality are Kripana. Uh, the verse in Mandukya says that. But there are other interpretations of Vedanta. Ramanuja's interpretation, Madhva's interpretation. They are all dualistic interpretations. So they are also based on the Upanishads. This doesn't seem to be two ways of saying this, what I just said. 
So isn't it part of their canon? Isn't it part of their texts? Notice, what I quoted was from the Mandukya Karika, not from the Mandukya Upanishad. The Mandukya Karika is composed by Gaudapada. Um, that uh, Gaudapada is a strict non-dualist. Gaudapada is Shankaracharya's guru's guru. So he's a strict non-dualist. Um, his interpretation of Mandukya is strictly non-dual. Therefore, he says something like this. This verse will not be quoted by Ramanuja or Madhva. <laughs> it will create a lot of confusion. If they but they definitely accept the Mandukya Upanishad, but they gave a dualistic meaning to it. Yeah. Here also, this, all this Karma Yoga, it sounds dualistic. And it is. But the ultimate goal is self-knowledge, which is non-dualistic. So, Godapada will not have any objection to this. He will say it's a good preparation. So, from a non-dual perspective, Karma Yoga, Bhakti Yoga, Raja Yoga, they are all good preparations. And Jnana Yoga is privileged above everything else. Does, does that answer your query? Yeah. To answer it directly, no. They would not take this, this particular verse composed by Gaudapada as an authoritative one. But they will definitely take the Mandukya Upanishad, not the Karika, as uh, part of their canon. They have to, because it's based on the Upanishad. And then, Buddha Sharanam Anvicha, take refuge in Buddhi. Now, uh, this also is given two interpretations. Literally, if you translate it, take refuge in wisdom. But if there are two interpretations are that Yasmad Evam Tasmad Buddha Papa Nivritti Dwara Gyane Sharanam Ashrayam Karma Yogam Anvicha Anutishta. Uh, what does it mean? That in order to overcome the impurities of mind, take refuge in karma yoga so that you will attain to enlightenment. You see the, why the structure is useful? Where did impurity of mind come and where does the whole structure will immediately understand what he wants to say here. He says take, ref take refuge in wisdom means take up karma yoga, spiritualize your day-to-day -day work. So that you will purify the mind of its impurities, resulting ultimately in wisdom or enlightenment. All that he gets from this word, take refuge in wisdom. Um, that's one interpretation. Another interpretation also interesting. Take refuge in wisdom. See, here's where Sanskrit grammar comes in useful. The seventh case means, in means literally in that locus. In the one who stays in your buddhi or intellect or in your wisdom. Who stays inside us? God. So take refuge in God who shines within your mind or your heart or your intellect. Take refuge in that God and do your work. That also can be the meaning. He says, Yadva or else you can take another interpretation. Buddha Sharanam, refuge in buddhi means... Trataram Ishwaram Ashraya, take refuge in Ishwara, the God who is the saviour, Trataram who saves you from samsara. Then number 50. Buddhi Yukto Jahatiha, Buddhi Yukto Jahatiha, Ubhe Sukrita Dushkrite Ubhe Sukrita Dushkrite 
ತಸ್ಮಾಯುಜಸ್ವ ತಸ್ಮಾಯುಜಸ್ವ ಯೋಗಕರ್ಮಸು ಕೌಶಲ ಯೋಗಕರ್ಮಸು ಕೌಶಲ ಎಂಡೌಡ್ ವಿತ್ ದಿಸ್ ವಿಸ್ಡಮ್ ವಿಚ್ ವಿಸ್ಡಮ್ ಕರ್ಮಯೋಗ ಹೌ ಟು ಸ್ಪಿರಿಚುಲೈಸ್ ಮೈ ಡೈಲಿ ಆಕ್ಷನ್ ಎಂಡೌಡ್ ವಿತ್ ದಿಸ್ ವಿಸ್ಡಮ್ ಒನ್ ಗೆಟ್ಸ್ ರಿಡ್ ಆಫ್ ಬೌತ್ ಗುಡ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಈವಲ್ ಬೌತ್ ಗುಡ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಈವಲ್ ಐ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪ್ಲೇನ್ ದ್ಯಾಟ್ ಈವನ್ ಹಿಯರ್ ದೇರ್ ಫೋರ್ ಟೇಕ್ ಟು ಯೋಗ ಯೋಗ ಇಸ್ ಸ್ಕಿಲ್ ಇನ್ ವರ್ಕ್ this requires explanation and some unpacking how do you what, what do you mean overcoming good and evil we are supposed to become good no, not um uh, overcoming evil is understood but we are supposed to become good here there's a technical meaning the words used are sukrita dushkrita good actions means dharmic actions religious actions pious actions dushkrita means sinful actions now usually the lower religion the mass religion sh- says give up sinful actions give up papa karma adharma not dharma and do that which is religious good uh, which is meritorious why the why is important if you do that which is bad and clearly your conscience tells you this is wrong then the result is suffering in this world and after death the other place is there some people say oh the, that's a christian thing it's not in hinduism oh no hinduism has not one but many hells <laughs> only difference is they are not permanent they're all caused by my by my action so i get the results of my bad action there are special uh, places for me uh, where my bad action is burnt off and the good action the dharma the pious action after death you go to this much better places which are again a whole range of heavens so the traditional ritualistic vedic hindu the paradigm he thought in was he or she thought in was after death let me be good in this life let me do all the rituals prescribed by the religion and be good and moral in my day to day life so that so that after death i do not have to go to the bad place after death i go to heaven good place I heard there is a TV serial about going to heaven called the good place TV serial and everybody goes to heaven and what happens there and so on but that's a result of dharma of doing good work with a motive in mind that's also motivated i had said at the beginning there's a difference between mass religion and spirituality spirituality vedanta is not meant for going from this place to that place or changing this for that vedanta is meant for realizing the truth and freedom i want freedom from this entire business of going here and going and coming <laughs> and attaining this and losing that so enlightenment is god realization salvation whatever you call it that is different there you should not have this motive even of course i will not do anything sinful or bad or uh, evil but i will also not to try to do good things so that i can go to heaven why will i do good thing then what will i do in life i will do good here is the important thing i will do good continuously without break but i will do that for my own purification for the welfare of the world i am doing that for god realization not for going to heaven afterwards yeah. so that's what he means you will overcome both good and evil means not that you will become some kind of amoral creature you'll be very moral 
very ethical, but it's not for a ulterior purpose. People will give me awards in this life and next life I'll go to heaven, uh, not for that purpose. I, uh, I remember there was a game, it's like a board game. Um, we find it in the gospel also, they uh, played, it was called Golok Dhana, I think. So you play like with, with dice and you have a counter which moves, it's like snakes and ladders and I don't know if kids play that anymore, maybe they do on computers. Um, now in this game is you have to go to the highest heaven of Vishnu. You have to be in the abode of Vishnu, that's the goal. But in, in, on the way, there are good and bad places, including a number of hells. And those hells are very nicely depicted. In one, there's a big cauldron, and the poor fellow who falls into that is being roasted and boiled. Um, and you can't die because you're already dead. So <laughs> and, there's, there's, and there's this other place, it's very nice little cartoons, and, and, and those those uh, the, the little imps and devils, they look like really cool creatures, you know, like they're really having the time of their lives. <laughs> then there are the, another he uh, hell was full of thorns and uh, wild animals and, uh, uh, you know, it's like that. Um, I, I actually saw that and I think, did we play or not? I had one of those, you know, they are all obsolete now, but we, in our monastery we had one of those uh, boards. <laughs> You two questions, just a minute. Here I had a question, I'll come back to you. So, uh, Maharaj, uh, if we work for the purification of my mind, yes. how do say that that's not selfish? Like, like, if I work for purification of my mind, how do I say it's not selfish? It's a question which keeps coming back again and again. Is the desire for God realization selfish or not? The answer is no. Why not? Because we must first understand what is meant by selfish. What is meant by selfish is, when I am completely attached to this little body and mind, and all my actions are for this body and mind, everything is for me and mine, I and my family, and that's it. I don't care what happens to others. So, my family also, notice that it's connected to mine, it's connected to this body. So, identification with the body, actions done for that, for keeping this body happy, this particular person happy, that's selfish. Whereas enlightenment, God-realization, whatever you call it, salvation, that actually cuts at the root of this selfishness. So you are no longer doing it for your particular, this body and mind. When I say I'm doing it for enlightenment, I'm doing it for karma yoga, I'm doing it to purify my mind, but what am I doing? I'm doing it all without regard to the particular petty results which come to me. It will come, if you do work it will come. But I don't, I'm not doing it for that anymore. I'm not doing it because it's my duty. I'm not doing it because it's for the welfare of others. I'm not doing it because it's worship of God. Nothing for me particularly. And all that I want for myself is God, but it literally is a shorthand, or it's just a placeholder for saying, I'm overcoming this pettiness, this smallness, this kripana. Kripana is smallness. God realization leads to the vast. That is unselfish. That's a wonderful goal to have. Sri Ramakrishna put all this in a very simple way. He would say in his colloquial Bengali that uh, uh, sweets cause acidity, uh, acid reflux, but sugar candy is not to be counted among sweets, michri, uh, because it, it uh, it's acts as an antacid. 
Similarly, desire for the world it causes suffering. But desire for God is not to be counted as a desire because it destroys all suffering and destroys all worldly desire also. Right. So are you asking, the question is, just by performing karma yoga, can you go beyond good and evil? Can you, in the sense that, can you go beyond good and evil? Can you attain the Atman? Can you become enlightened? Uh, actually, Swami Vivekananda would say yes. But the structure that we have set up here, uh, because of the traditional Vedanta, would say, no, no, no. From karma yoga, you have to come to meditation. From meditation, you have to come to knowledge. Yes. But we are doing all of that at the same time anyway. Yes. See, this is the question again. Does, the question is, does bhakti yoga not purify the mind? The answer is yes, it does. Do you notice what I said? That uh, this paradigm which I gave is one paradigm. It's the paradigm of classical Advaita Vedanta. To understand Shankaracharya and the followers of Shankara like Sridhar and others, you have to keep it in mind. What's the role of karma yoga? What's the role of dhyana? What's the role of bhakti? And what's the role of jnana, knowledge? Knowledge, devotion, love, and knowledge, love, meditation, and work. They all have the particular, it's like a structure. But if you say, suppose just by love of God, can my mind be purified? Yes. Yes. Can my mind be concentrated? Yes. Do I have to do all the yogic meditations? No, no. It can be concentrated. Can knowledge, enlightenment come? Yes. Because how will enlightenment come? Because God will give you that enlightenment. That Gita himself in Sri Krishna will say, to my, uh, to my devotees I give buddhi. That means wisdom. I, I will give. Sri Ramakrishna used to say, my mother has shown me everything. So if you take up just one pointed love, it will work at all levels. But I would say, so what is the conclusion then? <laughs> it's up to you. Hinduism always presents a wide menu of choices. And I always say it's safer and better to use all our powers. And the power to love, you have the power to do, you have the power to know and understand, to concentrate. All the four yogas in harmony, in tandem, are very good. Just each of the yogas, Swami Premeshananda has an essay on this. Each yoga by itself has attendant dangers. Swami Vivekananda said, by practicing all of these yogas together, they balance each other. Equipoising, balancing and evening out the disadvantages of each. Very quickly, what are the disadvantages? Bhakti yoga can lead to sentimentalism. Uh, um, uh, the, the weepy kind of devotee. And uh, um, interested in festivals and pujas and um, the food and the, and the, the ritual. That, it's very natural. And there are such people. So they become... Whereas karma yoga, the other yogas balance it out. What is the problem with karma yoga? Doing good to others. It makes your mind extroverted. It leads to uh, immediate success and, and, and popularity in the world. See, all the other yogas are private, but karma yoga is not private. 
You're engaged with the world. And when you do your work with evenness of mind, with calmness and serenity and with the welfare of others in mind, you will become popular immediately. Who doesn't like a person who is, who is sacrificing, doing things for you? The, the, you? People will like you. And so you have schools and colleges and hospitals. Monks, we, we do that kind of work in, in India. And society, I mean, I've, I've been told that really all these people who come to you, they are not coming to you for your Vedanta and Advaita and all that in India. They're coming because they have a child to put in the school or a patient to be admitted in your hospital or something like that. And society appreciates the good work that you do. The government appreciates the good work that you do. So immediate success and popularity, that's one result of Karma Yoga, immediate. All the other yogas, their success is, takes time and it's all internal. Who knows? Oh, I had deep meditation today. Yeah. What, what's, it to, what's it to me? What's it to me? Didn't do me any good. And what's it, what's it to me anyway? You got some peace of mind. So, so that's the problem with Karma Yoga. It was not meant to make you extroverted and one gets swept away. After all, it's good work. Balance comes. I remember a monks in our, our, our senior monks, they would say, if they saw the young novices getting too involved in the work aspect, go back to your room, sit and meditate. If you cannot meditate, you sleep in your room. Don't come out, study or sleep also. Don't come out until the dinner bell is rung. You stay in, like you stay in a cell. The mind is restless. So the mind wants an excuse to go out and do things. So at a certain level, because it's a monastery, a certain level is set. You can't go out and party or do anything like that. You're stuck there. What's there? Only some good work is there. So the mind finds a very good excuse. Even in the evening when you're supposed to meditate. Uh, here uh, I am working in the office or studying in the library. No. Senior monks would keep a watch over the novices. Go back, meditate, go to the temple and meditate, or go back to your room. Balance. What's the problem with meditation? Dhyana Yoga, Raja Yoga? Makes you selfish. My meditation, my peace of mind, I've seen good yogis, really good, sincere yogis. They become a kind of perfectionist and also my peace of mind, my routine. Leave me alone. And when things don't go my way, how upset I get with so quickly. I have seen yogis in the Himalayas. Really peaceful, wonderful. But there is a weakness there. Bring them here. It will be like a fish out of water. They will get rattled very easily. Swami Vivekananda said, the ideal of Karma Yoga is... When you are standing, he used the, uh, the example of New York. He said some street, he said in New York, you're standing there. Today it would be Times Square. Your mind will be as calm as if you are in a mountain cave. And he says, when you're meditating in the mountain cave, your mind should be so alert and active. It, says it can work like a blast furnace that you can meditate, pray, whatever you're doing, it can do that. That kind of evenness. What is the problem with Jnana Yoga, the path of knowledge? Intellectualization. It becomes, oh, I've read that book. I know that argument. And I can beat you in all arguments. But that doesn't help you to (laughs) become enlightened. So these are the problems of the individual yogas. Bhakti Yoga can do all of the work. Can meditation purify my mind? 
There are accounts of yogis in meditation when the desires come up. We read these accounts who at, at the very subtle level, they uproot the desires in the mind itself. But it's very difficult. It's much easier to do that. As Swami told me, he says it's only advanced yogis who can do that. Ordinary people like us, we need external struggle. Very valuable advice. Ordinary people like us to progress in spiritual life, we need external struggle. Difficult people, poor health, financial worries, were, um, uh, bad weather, parking worries. All of that is a good training ground. Can I keep my mind calm and peaceful while doing what is, what is needed? Yes, a sp spiritual gymnasium, right? Swami Vivekananda uses this, uh, this metaphor. He says it's like a gymnasium where we come to work. And this purifies the mind. You can do the same thing sitting in meditation, but that you'll have to be a very accomplished meditator. Somebody used a very beautiful example. There are surgical instruments. And there are doctors here, you know, surgical. They are very fine and well balanced. Sterilized. And there's a spade by which you can remove mud. Now you can remove mud with the surgical instrument also. But it's a very difficult process and you'll damage the instrument in that, in that process. You can remove the mud in the mind with the help of meditation also. But it's a long, convoluted and, and unnecessarily uh, difficult process. It may sound easier. Oh, if I sit quietly and I can remove all, purify my mind, it won't work. <laughs> Just fall asleep. So, the harmony of four yogas is very good. And with a few exceptions, with a few exceptions, most teachers in Hinduism, the different schools of Vedanta, they will recommend all the four yogas in different combinations. Somebody mentioned Ramanuja. He also recommends Karma Yoga. His ladder is Karma Yoga, um, Jnana, Jnana and Dhyana. Dhyana is not emphasized. Karma Yoga, Jnana Yoga, Bhakti Yoga. By Karma Yoga, purify the mind. By Jnana Yoga, realize that you are a spark of consciousness, that you are not the body-mind, you are a witness consciousness. And then have Bhakti to the total consciousness, because Vishishtadvaita is total and part. So your relation to Parameshwara is, the, the Supreme Lord is devotion, love. That's the final thing. And then he takes off from there, everything is about bhakti. That is Ramanuja's point of view. But notice that he gives importance to all the yogas. There are teachers, I know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who says love itself is enough. A to Z, everything is done by love. Yes. All right. So, Ubhesh Sukrita Dushkrite, go beyond this mass religion of being trying to be meritorious and trying to avoid sinful action. I'll do good work, so I'll go to heaven afterwards and have a good time. And I will avoid sinful work so that I don't be, I'm not punished by it. This religion of reward and punishment, fear, that's a kind of religion. But that's a very lower form of religion. One must transcend that very soon. One must, one must go beyond that. I am good because I like being good. I am good because... It's my nature. It fits my nature. My real nature is the Atman. It's pure consciousness. It's, it's, it's complete. It is not dependent on the world for handouts. Why should I be worried about uh, whether my little petty desires are being fulfilled or not? Not afraid of the stick, the carrot and the stick.
jahati a very important point gives up this attitude and takes to karma yoga but this gives up very beautiful point is made here remember always you can do this only by the grace of god very beautiful point he says ihaiva janmani in this life the verse makes a good point ihaiva that means iha iha means here in this life not in a, you be, when do you become enlightened after death no 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 here now but it takes a great great grace to be able to really do this one must have a prayerful heart what he says the commentator says ihaiva janmani parameshwara prasade na jahati tyajati only by the grace great grace of lord one is blessed with such a mind which wants to be spiritual which gives up little desires in the world with ease otherwise what will happen you know i have seen this happen i remember one young man he was a monk in the himalayas in one of our little ashrams on the bank of the ganga unhappy all the time grumpy unhappy and a senior monk scolded him once um i will not quote the exact words which are not very polite but he said look you have been set free from all worldly cares you have your daily food it's given to you by society you have a roof over your head nobody wants anything from you to you know that you're not being pulled into anything you're you're taken taken care of you have you have the lord you have the mantra you have enough time to meditate with a free heart a clean conscience unhappiness is the sign of desire what do you want he says and then he gave a list of what he might be wanting that's why I'm, what i'm avoiding <laughs> yeah. see the way he put it was these are the things that we provide in a monk's life you get it and these are the things we do not provide but you have clearly said i don't want these things that's the meaning of becoming a monk but you see it's easy to say that if you really deep inside if somebody wants it the result will be unhappiness yeah. swami ranganathanand ji i still remember he was the president of the order he said simple instruction for spiritual seeker young novices he would say never grumble never grumble the once you have become a spiritual seeker you have given up the right to complain never grumble i don't know if i should say this but i'll say it anyway i heard it from a senior monk who saw it long time ago swami vireshwaranand ji was the president of our order at that time and in the main monastery the monks go for offering pranams to the president of the order old monks and the younger ones and the new novices so one day an old swami he went and out of the innocence of his heart in front of everybody he said uh, maharaj or swami to the president of the order swami please bless me i have no um, peace you know in my heart and suddenly the president who is to sit sit quietly I've seen his pictures he even he looks extraordinary he was like a bird of a man he was only 26 kilos how many how much is that in pounds when he passed away he was less than 50 pounds a tiny man but like a literally glowing even in the old black and white pictures he was sitting there this usually serene 
president of the order, he lashed out sharply to this senior venerable old monk, get out! To the horror of everybody standing there, and this monk he went red in the face, he bowed and quick, quickly left the uh, place. After everybody had left, he came back trembling and he fell at the feet of the president and he said, if I've said anything wrong, please forgive me, but I don't know what I said wrong. Then the president, head Swami, the president, he said in a very quiet and gentle voice, you are a monk of this order. So many people, Calcutta is across the river, so many people from Calcutta, worldly people with all their troubles, they come to you for peace. If you don't have peace, what can I say to you? Which means you have been given all the opportunities for cultivating a spiritual life and getting the peace you want. If at this point you, you say that you don't have peace, what can I say to you? Doesn't matter, doesn't mean that the Swami had no peace. It, I, what, what I understand is like a passing cloud. Yeah. It gets a shock and he realizes, yes, of course. What am I worried about? Yoga karmasu kaushalam. Karmasu yes. So, yoga is skill in action. This has to be well understood. Because I have heard this quoted and misquoted number of times. So, two definitions of yoga we have come across. In 48th verse, samatvam yoga uchyate. Evenness of mind is called yoga. What is meant by that yoga? Karma yoga. What evenness of mind? When you are doing work, why is the mind, uh, why is there evenness? Because my internal compass is towards God. External results do not matter. That's why the evenness of mind is there. Then I'm doing karma yoga. Another definition of yoga is given here. It's also karma yoga. It says skill in action is yoga. Misquoted immediately. People think if you are an expert in something, you do the work very well. That's good. And that's a sign of a concentrated mind, a trained mind. Good. But that's not what is meant by yoga. What is meant here is, skill in action is yoga, it means that skill which transforms the daily activities of the world which are usually binding, which catch you in samsara, using those to get free of samsara, that is the skill. Actions which bind us in the world to that skill which uses those very actions to set us free from the world, from samsara, that is skill in action, that is yoga. What yoga is that? Karma yoga. That is karma yoga. But a very beautiful description. Learn that skill of action in work, in job, in family, in your interactions with people. In what is that spiritual skill which will transform this action into a spiritual encounter for me internally and not trap me further in life, in, in samsara. In con why is this important? In contrast to it is the path of the traditional monk who simply gives up these actions altogether. I don't have a job, I don't have a family, so as a traditional uh, in a monastic life, no job, no money, no family, no property, relationships, I have the same relationship with everybody, especially the relationship might be there with the guru, uh, but that's also a spiritual relationship, otherwise I have the same relationship with everybody, and so that solves the problem of relationships. So that is a traditional monastic life, but suppose you don't do that, you come to continue with life in the world, then how do you do it? What do you do for 16 hours a day when you're dealing with the, with the office and the, and the family and skill in action? So the Sanskrit commentary here is, 
कौशलम स्किल बंधकाधन मोक्षपर संपादन संपादन चातुर्य चातुर्य मीन्स दैट स्किल दैट क्लेवरनेस इज नॉट अ गुड वर्ड दैट इंटेलिजेंस दैट विच बंधका दोज एक्शन विच नॉर्मली बाइंड अस इन द वर्ल्ड दे आर यूज ही सेज मोक्षपरत्वसंपादन हाउ डू ई कन्वर्ट दम दट दे आर हेल्पफुल फॉर मै मोक्ष लिबरेशन सैलवेशन हाउ यूल नोटिस ईश्वर आराधन इज इंट्रोड्यूस बै वर्शिप ऑफ गाद नो वेर इन द पिक्चर गाद बट दट मीन कर्मयोग डन एज वर्शिप ऑफ गाद it he continues 51 karmajam buddhiyuktahi karmajam buddhiyuktahi phalam tyaktva manishina phalam tyaktva manishina janma bandha vinirmukta janma bandha vinirmukta पदम गच्छन्त्यनामयम् पदम गच्छन्त्यनामयम् endowed with this wisdom giving up the results of action attaining self realization freed from the bondage of birth and death they go to that abode which is free from evil so the whole process is mentioned here keep in mind the framework what happens karmajam buddhi yukta hi phalam tyaktva giving up the results of action how buddhi yukta being practicing karma yoga buddhi here means karma yoga practicing that karma yoga one gives up attachment to the results of action then what happens one becomes enlightened through knowledge manishina one becomes enlightened if you look at the original text by practicing karma yoga one gives up attachment to the worldly results and becomes manishi manishi here means enlightened if you look at the commentary they introduce the structure so commentary says karmajam phalam tyaktva giving up the results of of work how kevalam ishvara aradhanartham karma kurvana doing work only as worship of god then is equal to manishino gyanino bhutva becoming a gyani even the word gyan is not the word knowledge is not even mentioned here they introduce what are they doing they are building up that structure that that uh, matrix so that's there then what is the result of becoming enlightened gyani janmam janma rupena bandhena vinirmuktaha being free of the bondage of life and death birth and death being free of the bondage of birth and death so this is how traditionally hindus buddhists jains sikhs understood the spiritual problem it's a formulation particular formulation that we are we are undergoing a cycle of birth and death and freedom is freedom from this cycle of birth and death somebody asked me but suppose uh, those who follow abrahamic religions we don't talk don't talk about multiple lives of births and deaths just this one life so there you need not put the whole thing in the form of birth and death you can put it in the form of suffering transcending suffering attainment of permanent peace and bliss that is also moksha that's the same thing that 
in the world view of the Hindu is freedom from the cycle of birth and death. Do you understand the two models? The birth and death model may not be acceptable to those who do not believe in multiple lives. But transcending suffering and attainment of peace and bliss, everybody wants. Just every living being wants it. And then, so being free, then where do they go? It says, so the language here is very beautiful. Padam gachanti anamaya. Anamayam. They go to that, uh, that state or that abode which is forever free of trouble. In Sanskrit, Anamayam sarvo upadrava rahitam vishnoho padam mokshakyam gachanti. They attain that, that state which is beyond suffering. Sarva upadrava rahitam. Forever beyond suffering. What is that state? Look how it is introduced. Vishnoho padam, the, the state of Vishnu. Literally the word Vishnu, if you Sanskritly, if you look at it, normally the, if you say Vishnu, it's immediately a Hindu deity. And you know there's a particular iconography, art, mythology. But if you look at the Vishnu, that which is all-pervading is Vishnu. Which is, what is all-pervading? Atman or Brahman, our real nature. You attain to that. Mokshakyam, that itself is called freedom or moksha. This is the meaning. Practice karma yoga. And I'm adding here, through meditation and all that, finally you come to jnana yoga. Through jnana you get <laughs> enlightenment. Uh, this is called manishina. And through that enlightenment one overcomes the cycle of birth and death. Where does one go? To that abode or state, which is already yours. Which you are actually. Which is um, oneness with Brahman or your, your real nature. Moksha. Freedom. Nirvana. Salvation, whatever you call it. Just a couple of more verses are there before Arjuna's question will come. That we will see um, next time. I was... Um, oh, you have a question. Swamiji, um, one of the beauty of uh, Gita is its universality. Yes. And you've been mentioning all the time that uh, no, God is not being mentioned in, in the discussion. So far. It's going to come pretty quickly. <laughs> but um, I just want to... There are two stories in the Mahabharata where there was a housewife who became enlightened. Yes. And another one was a butcher. A butcher who became enlightened. Applying the trade um, in, in the same manner of karma yoga. And the monk was not enlightened. Right. The monk was not... Yeah, the monk was taught by the housewife and was taught by the butcher. And they all... They did it by practicing karma yoga. I'll come to you. Just make. One book I was reading recently is by a French philosopher. It's called A Brief History of Thought. I picked it up from the bookshop because of the French, they don't like the English or the Americans. So they are very independent in their thought. And so I was surprised. I've read so many books about Western philosophy, but they're all English books. This book is a translation from the French. His name is Luc Ferry. He was He is a philosopher, he was the French education minister also. Uh, the whole book is, a, is talking about Western thought, from starting from the Greeks. But the presentation is entirely different, quite different from what you come across in um, uh, books written by English authors or American uh, philosophers. 
if you just go to the recommended reading at the back not a single work by any english or american author is cited it's all by two three french authors and one german author and finished <laughs> but what is interesting is the way he puts it very uh, remarkable you may agree or disagree with this but it gives you a very sweeping world view of of western thought he says basically three things are there in philosophy in in uh, philosophical thought three things one is he says theory uh, he uses the original theoria which he says it means i see which is the exact sanskrit equivalent of darshana to see to see the ultimate reality <laughs> theory what is your theory about the ultimate reality second is ethics what are we to do and third is salvation he says how what is the answer in that particular system in any system to the great problem of death i have never seen it put this way by any 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 western philosopher this is literally the way indians understand philosophy what is the solution to the problem of death what are we to do and what is the nature of ultimate reality you can easily answer those questions from a vedantic perspective you can answer it from a buddhist perspective and what this uh, philosopher does is he says in the west we have had four great waves of thought one is the greek thought that was overthrown by christianity and then christianity was overthrown by what he calls modernism you know rationality science and then he says modernism is under challenge by what is called postmodernity and very interestingly at the end he says if you ask me to choose and each one what do they say about ultimate reality theoria what do they say about ethics what are we to do and what do they say about salvation he says as far as salvation is concerned ultimate uh, freedom from suffering from death he says i would always prefer the christian uh, uh, i would prefer christianity in comparison to greek thinking and modernism and postmodernism remember it's a 21st century french philosopher but being french he is always is a twist in the tail so he says i always would prefer christianity except that i don't believe it's true <laughs> except that it's false so i can't believe in it now what am i left with um this is what is this is the beauty of vedanta swami vivekananda re, redefined represented vedanta in this age as the science of religion as the underlying logic of religion i have heard many people a well known muslim uh, preacher in india who said i was a very atheistic young student and i became interested in religion only after reading vedanta and vivekananda and i became interested in islam and i got back my faith in my religion i've heard people who became interested in their religion in their faith also because of uh, this insight from vedanta should send it to look ferry this this book if he can recover his faith in yes so the quite let's hear the questions before we end yes so uh, i mean these are the theory of karma yoga and uh, meditation and but how about the animals how do they enlightenment and i mean they enlightenment for animals they'll have to wait <laughs> until <laughs> until they come into no, the, they'll have to wait the, the the result is that the sen, what do you mean by animals if you mean the sentient being the jiva in an animal body so when the karma being burnt up the bad karma being burnt up uh, being in an animal body when it's it's gone the body dies the jiva goes on to other births and hopefully someday the human birth so in all indian mythology buddhist hindu 
the human birth is considered very, very rare and very valuable. But why is it valuable? It's valuable because we make spiritual progress in this birth. You had a question? I hope I didn't scare you of the yogas. So I've decided not to practice any of the yogas. The side effects sound too bad. <laughs> uh, no, yes, go on. And extroverted. Yes. It's it's duty. You can take it as duty, as uh, helpful to other people, as my worship of God. One or more or all of these. But is it duty? Is it I'm doing it to maintain myself and my family? So uh, then it becomes your duty. Right? If you're taking salary from it, if you're getting paid for that job, then it's your duty to deliver. Right? Arjuna's work, the nastiest work possible. A warrior in a battlefield. So duty. You can take it as duty. You can take it as, here itself I worship my Lord. This, this work I'm doing, this coding I'm doing, or this files I'm signing, or this deal I'm closing, and mentally I offer it to the Lord. You can do that. Any work can be connected, which is not openly immoral. Any work can be connected and offered to God. <coughs> Very good. Uh, let's conclude here. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanamastu. Do you notice the thing which we say at the end, Shri Ram Krishna Rupanamastu? We offer this work along with its results to at the feet of Sri Ramakrishna. This is Karma Yoga. This we should do for all work. Your first question I didn't answer. Getting swept away. So getting swept away is not the consequence of karma yoga. It's a danger. You, and you will not get swept away if you do karma yoga properly. Without attachment to results. Who gets swept away? Who gets attached to the results? <laughs>